0: Everybody, welcome to the Pick Six Podcast. It's Thursday, December thirtieth. If you're listening, uh, and uh, Happy New Year! Hope you had a great holiday. It's me, Ryan Wilson, getting your New Year started off right with no Will Brinson because this is the old Mock Draft Show. So Brinson's off vacationing, hair plugs. Uh, so it's me, Josh Edwards, Chris Raposo, talking a little Mock Draft, and uh, it's not officially Mock Draft season, but we're we're pretty close. The NFL season. Has about a month left, and then that'll it'll be go time for sure. So before we get going here, don't forget, yeah, don't forget, you can um, subscribe on the old YouTube channel, Pick Six, uh, YouTube.com/slash Pick Six. You can leave a comment, hit the bell notification so you never miss a live show. And uh, I guess there'll only be probably a handful more of the live after um, the NFL game shows because we have the last two weeks of regular season, then of course the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Also Spotify, leave us a five-star review. Debo, I saw in one of the comments on YouTube yesterday that they people were struggling to find where to leave the five-star review. So I don't know if that's an easy fix or something that we've looked into, but uh, don't give up. <laughs> find the Spotify <laughs> five-star review button and hit it. Um, all right. Mock draft time. Version 16, I believe, this yeah. week. It'll be version 17 next week. So... Just about the halfway point. If I do the mock draft math, calendar math, usually we end up doing 34, 35. So we're almost halfway through the (laughs) the mock draft process, by the way, like I I love my job and I love doing draft stuff. It is sort of funny when I'm referred to as the mock draft guy, like not NFL guy, not draft guy, mock draft guy. Uh, So you guys have a, have good holidays.
1: Yeah. I'd like to think that, Um, uh, you know, as you're, as you're marking off how many of these mock drafts we've done, it's kind of like a prison scene where you've got the, you've got the concrete wall behind you and you're just like etching into the wall that, that yeah. we're now up to 17 or whatever it is. Cause uh, I lost, I lost count a long time ago.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah I, I, right. Go ahead, Chris.
2: No, I was going to say my, my least favorite, or maybe it's actually my favorite introduction when I'm doing like a radio spot in like Louisville or somewhere, not even, remotely close to Buffalo where they like will introduce me as Chris Trapasso mock draft expert. And I always say like, I don't think that exists being a mock draft expert. It's just like you said, like when you get called a mock draft expert analyst, it's just like, because it's like by the end, by April, I'm ready to be done with mock drafts forever, but we're never really done with them.
0: Never. And in the defense of the people that call us that when you do a mock draft every week for 35, 36 weeks. Yeah. That's I suppose that's sort of what you are. All right, so this week, <laughs> you won't believe it, but we're going to talk about a mock draft. So <laughs> it's uh, it's my latest mock draft. And look, we're getting to the point now. The fun thing, we've talked about this in previous mock draft shows, uh, as the NFL season progresses, at least it, it sort of uh, livens things up for us one week to the next as teams fluctuate who are terrible, who are who end up being good. And, and that at least offers some variety. We're getting down the to the point now where, from February till about mid-March, nothing's going to change unless they're trades, because once free agency starts happening, that'll be our next sort of influx of changes and allow us to switch things up. So we're, we're getting ready to lock these things in. The old Jaguars can't get out of their own way. I, I sort of joked last week was their Super Bowl against the Jets, because that was their probably last opportunity to not have the first overall pick. They play the, the Patriots and the Colts coming up, so... Uh, unless Jesus has some plans we don't know about, they're probably going to lose those two games and be solidified as the first overall pick. You guys probably know this, and one of you may know it better than the other. That's a little hint there. Uh, but so, Traps, I'll start with you. Do you know the last time an NFL team had back-to-back first-round picks in, in terms of uh, one year to the next?
2: Cleveland Browns, right? Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield?
0: Nice. All right, uh, Josh, I'll ask you the the next question. What was the time before that that the last team had first round picks and back-to-back drafts first overall picks
1: let's go with uh 1986
0: uh it was it was prior to the to the 21st century 99 2000 which will give it away for you you know oh of course oh of course
1: This is how this is going to play out. Huh? We're gonna we're gonna get into some Browns talk and how terrible they've been over the past well, I, two days. I looked that I looked
0: that up because I wanted to mention when I did the write up for the Jaguars having the first overall pick and back to back draft. So the '99, of course, was Tim Couch and Courtney Courtney Brown. Um, I look. I'll say this: the 2017, 2018 picks were the right picks, and I think if Baker were healthy this year, it would have worked out a little differently. But if nothing else, if you're Shot Khan, although Shot Khan just uh, apparently the reports are that Trent Balky will return as general manager which made former Jacksonville resident Pete Prisco very angry because, and he's sort of right, if you're starting over, start over. Now whoever comes as the head coach won't be able to bring their own personnel guy, and they'll be that dynamic to have to work with. But that aside, if ShotKon wants some reasons for optimism, and again, he probably should mix it up at the top as well, but he can look to the 2017-2018 Browns who did a lot of reshuffling, but they got the draft picks right. They now have the front office right. They have the head coach right. And they're a, a good football team. So, just something to think about, Shot if you listen to the podcast. Uh, please tell your friends. So, Jaguars, number one. Traps, I'll start with you. So, you take Caleb on chase on two years ago. Josh Allen, the year before that, all edge rushers. You, you wanted the first overall pick last year, so you got Trevor Lawrence. No one's trading up for the number one overall pick. I'm just going to call that now. That'll be one of the safest things I'd probably say all draft season are you taking a, an edge rusher or would you even consider taking uh, an offensive lineman here who I think we can all agree probably doesn't deserve good number one?
2: Yeah, they have to pick an uh, edge rusher here just because Aiden Hutchinson is playing a premier position. Uh, he's a premier prospect, even if they want uh, to go uh Kayvon Thibodeau or maybe George Karloftis, uh, that would be kind of a surprising move if they go with the ladder, but those are the three players at a premier position. That would make sense. If you are like you're saying, starting over, even with the same GM, uh, that you don't really have to think too much about, you know, a 2019 or a 2020 first o- or first round draft pick. So there's not really anyone that stands out. I think Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama, is good. Uh, do I think he's someone that should go ahead of Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau? At this point, I don't. So if you're the Jaguars, you can really go any position and you have a lot of other earlier picks to build around Trevor Lawrence, but just get the best overall player in the draft at number one overall.
1: What do you think Josh? Yeah, I don't think there's a generational talent in this class that kind of makes it obvious, you know, that's the player that they should select. So maybe the pool is a little bit larger than years that we've seen in the past where there has been that elite edge rusher or there has been an obvious quarterback where, you know, they might have been able to trade down. Um, you know, under the current situation, the obvious answer would be that they consider an offensive lineman, but kind of like you guys, I don't feel like any of these options are worthy of that number one overall selection, but at the same time, you know, there's no generational prospect in this class. So I don't know that it's a stretch to think that they might consider one of those offensive linemen, especially with what we've seen from Lawrence this year. I mean, he's got to have a, an improved supporting cast. So
0: hey, Josh, let let me ask you this, uh, going back to the 2013 draft, which we often allude to, and we'll continue to during this draft process, Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, uh, would you take those two or would you take Evan Neal, Ikki Kwanwu if you had to be like, if, let's say e- Evan Neal and Ike Kwanwu were in that 2013 draft class. Who are you taking first among those four guys as the uh, first offensive lineman or whatever?
1: Yeah, it's certainly a little uh, revisionist history, but I would probably say Evan Neal in that situation. Um, I just think his sheer raw size is going to be very difficult for uh, defenders at the next level. Um, you know, but I don't, again i don't think that the discussion is completely one-sided i would understand arguments for uh any of the other guys that you might bring up
0: yeah and at the time people didn't know what to do you couldn't i think the chiefs couldn't trade out of the first overall pick and they weren't stuck with eric fisher but he was the best of the bunch and you know sometimes that's how the draft works out and it's just going to be interesting i I don't envision a situation where a quarterback gets so hot during the pre draft process because most of the pre draft process is media members and sort of like front office types coming into the conversation. And the difference is the front office types have a boatload of scouts to tell them what's what before they make their final decision. Whereas we are sort of figuring that all together. Um, I mean, I just don't. Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, whoever your guy is, he ain't going first, excuse me, first overall. It just seems too improbable for a team to be willing to trade up. Actually, it's probably more likely that the Jacksonville Jaguars would accidentally draft another quarterback first of all, like not, not on purpose, than for a team trading up to get that to get that quarterback. All right, so Aiden Hudson, first of all, he's been my guy for a while. We've talked about him uh, throughout the the course of this this podcast. Number two, things getting a little saucy. We talked about this two weeks ago, so I put uh, words into action. Had the Giants trading up from five to two, and Josh, I think you mentioned it last time. That this isn't uh, unprecedented. In 2018, the Jets went from three to six, swapped with the Colts, only cost them only quote cost them three second rounders uh, without even looking up the three second rounders. And I looked them up a few weeks ago. We all know that the Colts won, won that trade because Sam Darnold is now struggling in a different city than the one in which he was drafted. So two weeks ago, I had the the Giants taking an offensive lineman Evan Neal, I think, and then also t- uh, Tyler Linderbaum, which I love. Got some pushback from Giants fans, uh, coworkers who wanted Thibodeau, so it's like, yeah, let's make it happen. Uh, tra- uh, Josh, I'll start with you on this one. So if you give up three first-round picks as the Giants, and, you know, we, we've we had the conversation that first-round, or the, uh, three second-round picks, that draft picks can be overvalued at times. Um, and the Giants have, in addition to the two first-rounders as, as the draft board falls, they have the 36th pick, the 67th, and the 84th. So those are all, they have five top 100 picks. They would lose the fifth and the 36th as part of the deal, and then the two subsequent years, those second-round picks, if that's what you want to do, and then they would get the second and the eighth, and they'll still have the 67th and 84th. How do you feel about this, if you're the Giants, a team that's going to be probably going with a new GM in a matter of weeks?
1: Well, in a way, um, it would be their way of landing uh, you know, the white whale, the the one that they've been chasing for so long, because they've been looking for an edge rusher to step in and give them a little bit of juice off the edge. There were... The rumors that they were going to take or potentially interested in trading up for uh, Josh Allen in that draft class where they took Daniel Jones. Um, So they've been looking for that type of player. I mean, they brought in O'Shane Zimenez, They brought in Aziz Ojalari to this point. It hasn't quite worked out. So I understand the thought of, you know, pushing your chips in the middle and trying to get that question answer that's evaded you for so long. However, is an edge rusher going to be the difference in this team? You know, they've got so many needs. They've got quarterback questions. I don't know that trading that kind of capital is going to be the answer for this team to take uh, an edge rusher at number two overall.
0: I actually feel better about the the previous draft in which I had them taking Evan Neal and Tyler Linderbaum. But, you know, and Patrick Graham has done a good job defensively, so I, I feel okay with that. Uh, Traps, what do you think about that?
2: I wouldn't like this. Uh, I I think to Josh's, I just wouldn't, I I think to all of Josh's points, uh, it's the offensive versus defensive argument that, you know, in today's NFL offense moves the needle. You should throw all your resources or almost all of your resources into the offensive side of the ball. Uh, There's been rumors that the giants might be interested in trading for Russell Wilson. Um, Even if that doesn't happen, even if they land a lesser quarterback or, they decide to go uh, with a quarterback with their second first round pick or just go in a different direction. I would like them to address the offensive side of the ball because we've seen over the past couple of years the defense hasn't been great for the Giants, but they've had stretches where they've played decently well. I don't like you mentioned I don't think the defensive coordinator is terrible or the the young talent on that side is brutal and just looking at the player, I think Thibodeau is. Good. And will go in the top 10. I think to trade up for him, someone that's a little bit risky and does have to develop pass rushing moves and get a lot stronger and not go through those stretches where he's a little bit invisible on the field. That's why I wouldn't really like doing this for a team that even though they have the extra first round pick, go with offense, prioritize the offensive line. and And I think back to those Giants teams that, yes, they were good with Eli Manning winning those Super Bowls on the defensive side with Michael Strahan and then Jason Pierre-Paul, Justin Tuck. But when Eli Manning was at his best, those offensive lines for the Giants were probably like top three or top five in the league. They need to build in the trenches offensively first and then go with defense.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. And ultimately, again, I don't know if there are going to be any trade-ups in the top five, maybe, and maybe five to tens when we start seeing some movement on these quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see this unfolds. But right now, uh, uh, the top ten picks I wouldn't trade up for a quarterback or probably a position player, unless it was an offensive lineman, For being honest. All right, number three, I have the Texans taking Derek Stingley. Josh, any thoughts about taking it? It feels like the Texans, at least for the rest of the season, are fine rolling with Davis Mills, the third-round pick, the rookie. And this is a point, this came up after Mac Jones' Terrible performance against Traps' Bills. Um, about how someone in we were doing a a live show and and someone mentioned that Davis Mills is better than than Mac Jones. And Breach made this point, which I think is pretty important to remember. Davis Mills can throw all the interceptions he wants because no one cares. Like the Texans, if you lose that game and you threw five interceptions and two touchdowns, that's great. You're we're we're just seeing what you can do. Mac Jones isn't afforded that because the, the Patriots actually need to win the football games. So it's fine to say that physical, in terms of physical tools, maybe Davis Mills is further along than. Than Mac Jones will ever be. And that's, you know, that that might be hard to argue. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Mac Jones is probably a little more important to what New England's doing right now than what Mac, uh, than what Davis Mills is doing. All that said, if you're the Texans at three and, and they, they're going to be short on, on cornerbacks and, and defense backs in general once the season ends, would you at all consider a, a QB here? Or is Derek Stanley a, a more likely case and something you're okay with?
1: I think Stingley is a more likely case. Um, yeah, they don't have, you know, a surefire option at the quarterback position, but I think kind of like a situation in Washington where you've seen a little bit of Taylor Heineke and what he do, he does well, that kind of intrigues you to, to run it back next year and and see if that's a guy that can be your franchise's future. Um, I think Mills has done some good things. I think he's warranted some conversation of possibly getting another season. And, you know, as we've talked about on this, uh, feed for, for quite some time, I don't advocate for any team to move on from their existing quarterback situation unless they feel they have an obvious upgrade at the position. And I don't know that any of these quarterbacks available in the 2022 NFL draft is going to represent a clear and obvious upgrade over what Mills has provided here in recent weeks. So, um, with a team that has so many needs, I think I would be inclined to just use your draft capital to, you know, supplement the roster around the quarterback position. And then, you know, the the elephant in the room here is what ultimately happens with Deshaun Watson, because that's going to change the outlook on not only their team's outlook, um, but potentially the opportunities, the options available to them in a a trade situation.
0: Uh, Traps, let me ask you this, because I think this is something that we talk about at the time and then we sort of forget about it. But uh, I always thought Jacob Eason should return to college and he would have a chance to be a, like a the first quarterback, one of the first quarterbacks drafted. I felt the same about Davis Mills, who didn't play a lot at Stanford. He came out and yeah. you know, whatever. I get it. You do what you do what you do for whatever reasons you do them. Third round pick. If he had come back this year, I think he might have been in the conversation for the first quarterback yeah. off the board if we're being realistic about it.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh it, it was a little surprising and, and I think Certainly, Davis Mills is probably happy that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. But if he could go back and be a part of this draft class, you're right. He would probably be, just given his physical tools, uh, some of the throws that he put on film last year at Stanford, uh, and just getting more experience would have been huge for him. He probably would have been a first-round prospect. And I think the Texans have a long way to go. I think we all realize that in this rebuild. But at the start of it, they're actually in a pretty good spot with the points that Uh, Josh mentioned to have like a 23 year old quarterback that really does have upside because of the arm talent, because of his athleticism, he's playing uh, with kind of a a bottom of the, of the league, bottom five roster in the NFL this year. You build up the roster a little bit next year, see if he improves along with the improvement of your offensive line, your receivers, your defense. Um, And then in 2023, then you decide, Hey, is this our franchise guy that we picked in the third round? of 2021, or now do we draft, you know, a CJ Stroud or, you know, Bryce Young or someone like that, that that comes in with a lot more accolades and a lot more hype entering the draft. So I think Davis Mills uh, has done enough for this to be either Kyle Hamilton or Derek Stingley at number three overall. Now I'm just envisioning uh, Davis Mills rubbing
1: a magic lamp and being given the opportunity to, to go back in time and go to school and then he comes out the following year as part of the 2022 draft and is still drafted by the Texans. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Davis, right. this is how God wanted it to play out. So quick going to school. Uh, all right. So let's move on to uh, number four here, and then we'll, we'll group four, six, and eight because these are all offensive linemen off the board. I'm, I'm an Ike Kwandu guy, but he and Evan Neal are basically the same for me, and we'll see how that changes throughout the process. And Charles Cross, eight uh, to the to the Giants as part of that trade they got and the Justin Fields deal back last draft. Um, I like all these guys a lot. Uh, trap are the, uh, the offensive line guy. Uh, is there any situation if you're the Panthers at six, we'll start there. And every quarterback's on the board and Evan Neal's there that you would take a quarterback over Evan Neal.
2: Well, it depends on what the Panthers do at the quarterback spot on the veteran market. I mean, let's
0: let's say they do nothing and you're the, you're the GM. What are you doing on draft day?
2: I'm picking a quarterback here because I, I have been out on Sam Darnold since his USC days. So I'm a little biased that, that I don't think if you build up the offensive line and give him weapons, he's just going to magically turn into a quarterback that doesn't turn the football over and makes good decisions. He's not really done that since his freshman season at USC. Um, so, yeah, I, I would think about quarterback at this point. I think Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, even Malik Willis at this point, um, just because I, I think they're better prospects than Sam Darnold. Uh, was they're younger but if it gets to a point where they sign Deshaun Watson or uh, even a lesser veteran they can trade for someone then you have to go offensive line because that's I think really hurt what Cam Newton's been able to do or what he hasn't been able to do since he's rejoined the team and it certainly hasn't helped Sam Darnold earlier um, in this season before he got injured that the offensive line was really porous.
0: Josh if you're the GM. No quarterbacks in the free agency. You're sitting there at six. Evan Neal's, Evan Neal's staring you in the face, and all the quarterbacks are available. What, what's your what's your play there?
1: I agree with traps. I think you kind of have to uh, take the quarterback position. Um, they're obviously not comfortable with with what they've got in the building right now. So if you are unable to land a superior option through the course of free agency or the draft, uh, it kind of forces your hand. And I think um, you know one thing to consider in all of this as you know, we've discussed again previously. Is that Matt Rule has a history with Kenny Pickett? Um, you know, or yeah, it was Kenny Pickett, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. yep. You know, so there's that pre-existing connection where maybe that's a situation where he's familiar with the player, he knows the makeup of the player, um, you know, and he's he's comfortable going in that direction. I think that's certainly a possibility if they're unable to get a quarterback in other ways.
0: So, a couple things to
2: and, consider. And one thing we have to say, too, is that Matt Rule, I think more than like any other coach right now, like wants to bring in all of his former Temple guys, guys he recruited. So I, I like it's not just that he had Kenny Pickett as a recruit who then ultimately flipped over to Pittsburgh. Rule seems like that that one or two NFL coaches that really love to get the guys that they spent time with and were familiar with at the college level.
0: So a couple things. Uh Carolina as we sit here in the salary cap for twenty twenty two, we don't know the exact number, but they're they're nineteenth in terms of salary cap space available. They have twenty eight point five million, which isn't a lot as we sit here. So they may not be able to sign a bunch of offensive linemen uh if they want to. Also, they have pick a number the seventh overall pick, great. They don't pick again until one oh five in the fourth round. So Yikes. They got to make a lot with a little so th- they're, they're going to have a lot of tough decisions to make. And the thing we didn't mention about Matt rule is that, while well, his job seems secure for now. I don't think he's going to have a particularly long leash. Should he come back next year? And, you know, if there's, they're one in five, he, he may be he may be gone. Um, yep. What's that? Two and a half years in that seven year deal. So they they got to get this right. And I know Matt rule said the other day that his plan is working. and And, you know, that's great. It seems to work for the first four weeks of the season. And then after that, the plan sort of falls apart. So things to consider, because if you're there, I, I mean, you know, I get taking the quarterback, but if you're not protecting him, Zach Wilson will like to show you, show you what that looks like uh, over the course of the rookie <laughs> season. So it's going to be some incredibly tough decisions uh, for the Carolina Panthers. All right, let's take a quick break, come back and talk uh, about these aforementioned quarterbacks in more detail. All right, we've been saying it for months now. This isn't the twenty. 20- The 2021 draft class, 2022 draft class comes quarterback, more like the 2013 draft class. But then I point to the 2008 draft class as well. I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys or said it somewhere else. That draft class wasn't quote-unquote great. Matt Ryan went third overall, and people didn't like him because he threw a lot of interceptions at BC. And then the next quarterback off the board was Delaware's own former Pitt transfer who couldn't beat out Tyler Palco, Joe Flacco. Both those guys went to Super Bowls. One guy won a Super Bowl. The other guy obviously should have won one. Uh, He didn't. But... The point is that we don't know we don't know. We don't know what these quarterback's are going to look like. So, all that said, and that's things that we seem to say just about every week. Number 9, Washington football teams on the clock. All the quarterbacks are there. I haven't taken Matt Corral. and then at number 10, the Falcons take Kenny Pickett. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you. If you're those teams and the quarterbacks are available, are you definitely taking one and is that is this the order you would we do so or do you have a, another order in mind in terms of how you like these QB's?
1: I think if you ask that question in Washington right now, you'd probably get some mixed reviews. I think there are some that would be comfortable moving forward with Taylor Heineke. Yes. Um, I personally would move on um, and take probably one of these quarterbacks if you don't get an option through the tra- or through free agency or via trade. Um, and I do prefer Corral still to Kenny Pickett right now. I know um, Kenny Pickett looks a little bit more like the prototypical quarterback. Um, Corral, I just like – his upside and what he brings to the position. I think, um, you know, he's been able to make quick reads. He's been relatively accurate this season. Um, I think he's shown that he can make passes at all three levels of the field. So for that reason, I'm still leaning towards Corral. I think he's a little bit of a safer option right now, as crazy as that is, to, as crazy as that sounds. Um, but I also really like Kenny Pick and have been a big fan. I just um, right now I would be leaning towards Corral.
0: Uh jo, jo, I mean Traps, let me ask you this. Um number one, Kenny Kenny suppose supposedly gonna have small hands, sub-nine-inch hands. I don't know if that matters. He wears gloves. The other thing is, is Kenny Pickett better than Daniel Jones? Like that's that's sort of legitimately my question. Daniel Jones was six overall, and people crushed Dave Gettleman for it. And you know, we get it. He probably shouldn't have gone that high. I'm not convinced Kenny Pickett is better than Daniel Jones coming out. And I say that because Daniel Jones is uh Bigger, they probably the same athleticism, similar arm strength. Maybe Daniel Jones has a little better arm. But Daniel Jones played on a terrible football team at Duke. If he played at Pitt, maybe we're talking about him in a different light now. But I just in terms of the way they play, the the evolution uh, from year one to year two to year three it hasn't been what we expected. I just don't think Kenny Pickett's going to come in and beat Joe Burrow. That's sort of where I'm going with this. Um, where are you on, on just that sort of comparison I'm going to make you do 15 seconds after hearing it?
2: Yeah, no, it's funny that you brought up Daniel Jones and Joe Burrow because I think Kenny Pickett like falls right in between those two as a prospect. I do think he's more talented and just more ready to be an NFL starter than Daniel Jones was for one main reason, that Daniel Jones at Duke, and yes, the talent around him wasn't as good uh, as what Kenny Pickett has had, turned the ball over and was much more careless with the football inside the pocket and just throwing it down the field than Kenny Pickett in this final season at um, at Pittsburgh, only a few interceptions, not a bunch of fumbles, although he is scrambling around a lot. So yeah, Daniel Jones went too early, but he flashed a little bit the, the talent around him has either not been very good or it's not been healthy. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the giants give him one more season. They probably won't, but yeah, I think Kenny Pickett is a better prospect, not quite Joe Burrow, uh, but similar in that he's improvisational. He's a little older, really one big special year in his final season, And just looking at these two teams, to me, if you're Washington, like Josh said, you probably have to go Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett because they have higher floors. And I feel like the Washington football team is a little more ready to win and and be a contender than the Atlanta Falcons Um, at this point. If you're the Falcons, and this might sound crazy, you need to pick Malik Willis at number 10. Let him sit for a year behind Matt Ryan until that contract gets a lot easier to get out from under Um, on that uh, or like on your books and then let Malik Willis take over because Malik Willis we haven't really talked about him a lot to me he has those skills that we see in this young wave at the quarterback spot of you know Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and even Patrick Mahomes uh, Tyler Murray we're going to get Deshaun Watson back in the league next year who's still very young if you want to pick a quarterback in round one, I'm aiming high. And I think, you know, there's certainly a boomer bust factor with Malik Willis, but if you're the Falcons pick him, let him learn from Matt Ryan for a season and then install him as a starter in 2023.
0: Yeah. So Malik Willis is, I have him going 30th to to the lions and it's their end of the first round guy, in part for the reasons you specified, let him sit behind Jared Goff, who Jared Goff may end up being in Detroit for more, for longer than we expect. Because you can't rush him onto the field, and I think you're right. He's extremely raw. Um, there's a lot that I have questions about, but again, he could make the make the progress that he needs. And we, we always have to remind ourselves that he's not the finished product right now. But in terms of uh, where he ranks for these other guys, I have Kenny Pickett as a second round pick. We've talked about that, but I have Malik Willis as a second round pick as well. Uh, all these guys are above Sam Howell for me, and you know I love Carson Strong, but his knee is going to be a concern until we get that sorted. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts, Josh, about Malik?
1: Um, you know, I like him as a passer and what he could be. I obviously love his mobility. Um, You know, back to the conversation of what we would do if we were the Falcons, uh, we would have done what I've been um, campaigning for for several months, dating back to uh, pre-draft last year. And that's take a quarterback. If you had taken a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones, as we've seen, it's a little bit of revisionist history, unless you... Um, are uh, subscribing to the book of Ryan Wilson, um, you wouldn't be in this position. I mean, you wouldn't be forced to take a quarterback this year. So what they should have done is take a quarterback last year when you had a much stronger uh, group of options.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, to Travis's point about Washington perhaps being in better shape than than Atlanta, I mentioned this on, on the on the podcast last night. The Falcons somehow have seven wins, which is it boggles the mind. But they also have a point differential of, what is it? It's minus, one twenty-two, which is second worst in the NFC behind only the Lions. And also, every one of their seven wins is by, one score or less, or you know seven eight points or less. I should say, you can't win by less than one score. I don't think. Uh, And most of their losses are just blowouts. So it's it's been they've been actually pretty lucky, and they probably are not as close to re. Regrouping, as their their um, record might indicate. All right, so let's keep this uh, train going here. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you because I know Carl Lifchus is your guy. I haven't gone eleventh, and I just want to ask you: to the Broncos, Broncos could consider a quarterback here as well. They clearly need one. Drew Locke is, is, is doesn't appear to be working out. Um, but Von Miller was traded. They have Bradley Chubb. So if you're sitting at 11, would you rather have uh, George Kolaritis, or would you have any interest in, in David Ajabo? The um, Michigan edge rusher playing opposite Aiden Hutchinson.
1: Between the two, I would go with Carl Laftis. Um, I just like him more as a prospect. I understand the intrigue of Ajabo. Um, I think he's got better bend around the, around the corner than any other prospect in this class. Quite frankly, um, he's got a little bit of that twitchy nature that you look for. Um, at the same time, you know, watching this Denver defense on a weekly basis, especially since they've traded Von Miller, um, Jonathan Cooper has played pretty well for them on the edge, opposite of of uh, Bradley Chubb. So I think there's an opportunity there where you're comfortable moving forward with Cooper, uh, and then that allows you to move in a different direction if you're uh, this Denver team.
0: Yeah, and perhaps that direction does include a guy like Malik Willis or whoever's there, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, should Malik Willis already be off the board. Uh, just quickly, like give me a 10-second answer on, on this, Traps, and I'll ask you too, Josh. Is Sam Howell going to go in the first round?
2: No, I don't think he will. Uh, He seems like a mid to late second rounder. And that's coming from me that I I always believe that quarterbacks always get pushed up. And because of position of value, they probably should be pushed up. Josh? I will say no as well.
0: I I keep seeing sort of the, the mock drafts. Um, that aren't CBS's, uh, people seem to think that's going to happen. I'll be interested to see what happens. I've talked to teams that are like, no, that guy should have definitely gone back. But, you know, I haven't talked to 32 teams, so I don't know. And uh, as Traps sort of alluded to, guys get desperate and crazy things happen. All right, Traps, let me ask you this. I have three wide receivers going um, between picks 13 and 18. Garrett Wilson's first for me right now to the Browns, Jameson Williams to the Saints, and then Traylon Burks to the Raiders. Are are you okay with the order? Are you okay with the landing spots? Is there anything you would switch up there? Anyone you would include that I didn't?
2: I really like that order. I think Garrett Wilson is the most well-rounded wide receiver in this draft class that fits what you need to be to be that true number one receiver in today's NFL, that he can beat press coverage at the line of scrimmage uh, with quickness, with his hands. The separation ability is high end. Uh, He plays bigger than his size because of his just natural ball skills and just his, leaping ability. He, he plays like he's 6'3 or 6'4, and Cleveland clearly needs uh, more juice at the receiver spot. I think that would be a great fit. And Jamison Williams, it's kind of the same thing in New Orleans. Regardless of who that quarterback is, they need a true number one receiver. He's very good at getting open, sharp route runner. Uh, not the two or three years of quality production that Garrett Wilson had at Ohio State, and um, that's probably why Jameson Williams uh, transferred to Alabama, but that would make a lot of sense for the next stage of, you know, Sean Payton Saints and then Traylon Burks, the Raiders uh, kind of have this hodgepodge group of uh, Zay Jones. I like Brian Edwards a lot. He's flashed a little bit, but after the whole Henry Ruggs fiasco, they certainly probably should look at the wide receiver spot. And Traylon Burks is kind of a throwback. Like he's six three, two twenty, um, but is a lot more athletic than just being a, a, a big rebounder type. And to have more of a physical presence, I think he and Darren Waller would be a really good tandem. That they're somewhat similar in size. That would be uh, a mismatch for for slot corners for linebackers. So those three receivers, I'm fine with the order, and I like the fits for all three teams.
0: Josh has a Browns fan. At 13, the way the board's fallen so far, is Garrett Wilson a receiver you would want? Is there another position of need that you'd rather fill there? What are you thinking?
1: I love Garrett Wilson. I mean, he's still my top wide receiver. I think um, as you've got him listed here, I I agree with the order. I think Jamison Williams has the best opportunity uh, to possibly surpass him as that top wide receiver. But Garrett Wilson's body control is insane. So as a prospect, I'm totally fine with Cleveland taking him at number 13. I also think that Traylon Burks is actually a very good fit for what Cleveland wants to do. Um, you know that big slot type player that is going to possibly contribute as a run blocker in addition to his abilities downfield. Um, I think that's a good fit. I think Cleveland could go in a number of directions. I see that uh, you've, you've got Tyler Linderbaum. Um, I, we're not gonna let that one slide. How you let Tyler Linderbaum fall to your <laughs> Steelers at number 16 Ugh. overall, I think that's an option for uh, Cleveland at number 13 as well. That's an opportunity. You potentially get JC Treder off the books. Um, you know, bring down the cost of that offensive line a little bit. Uh, Treader's been great at this point in his career, Um, but for a team that has invested so much in the offensive line, I think that's a way to get a little bit back.
0: Yeah, and honestly, you know, we talk about Linderbaum just about every week, which is weird because he's a center. And if he ends up going five, six, seven picks higher, that wouldn't surprise me. I've had him go into Debo's Eagles in the past, but all the teams, including the Eagles, that they have draft picks for keep winning. So by the end of the thing, the Eagles might have uh, picks between you know thirty-two and, and twenty-five. So I don't think he lasts there. If he does last, there, last there, the Steelers could almost certainly run to the podium to take him. And I say almost certainly because David Ajabo goes next to the Chargers. They could use net. They have so many needs. They could take a, any of those cornerbacks. I mean, they have needs everywhere. So they they have a lot of uh, a lot of holes to plug, as it were. Uh, Traps. I'll ask you quickly, and then we'll scroll down to the final. 12 of these things. Um, Derek Stingley was the first cornerback, and I think he remains the first cornerback for all of us. I do wonder if that's going to change, because I haven't gone back and watched watch this games closely this year, but just going off reputation. But 12, I have Andrew Booth Jr. going to the Vikings. I love Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, and then I have Roger McCurry 19, to the Eagles, and then right after that, Kyrie Elam to the Ravens. Uh, I'll say this. I was watching Elam a few weeks ago, and I, I love the way he plays and pass coverage this guy does not like to tackle at all. And I texted a scout and I said, what does that say to you? Cause my first thought was, well, he's just making business decisions. And he's like, he just might be, might not have very much confidence in his ability to tackle. And you know, that's probably a more optimistic way of looking at it and something that he can improve on. But, uh, in terms of down the, down the field, I think I like him better than CJ Henderson coming out of Florida. So traps, where are you at, uh, on these three cornerbacks and, and how do they fall in your rankings?
2: Yeah, I like uh, Andrew Booth in that spot to the Vikings. I think he's probably going to be a top 15 or top 20 pick. The combination of how light his feet are to plant and drive on the football, and then we've seen the acrobatic interceptions during his career at Clemson. Uh, and to me, like if you can stay with wide receivers that are trying to separate, that certainly matters in today's NFL But if you have no awareness when the ball is arriving, that's a huge – like you're going to be a huge liability in coverage. And Andrew Booth uh, always finds the football. So I really like that about him. Roger McCreary, I like him, but I I don't know if he's a top-end athlete. I could see him actually going a little bit later in the first round. He's been good at Auburn for multiple seasons. Uh, He had a really good battle actually with Jamar Chase two years ago at LSU. But I think usually the first-round corners – are the guys that have like 40-inch verticals that run in the low 4-4s four and have crazy production, usually from the ACC or the SEC. Um, and Kyir Elam, the one problem that I have with him, he's big and he's a little bit overly physical. It's kind of like Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati where in college you can kind of beat up smaller receivers at the line. In the NFL, like what happened to Jeffrey Okuda and even C.J. Henderson, these you know quote-unquote island cornerbacks that are going to come in and beat Darrell Rivas as rookies. They realize that NFL receivers are so much better at beating press at the line and you're going to get called for a lot more defensive holdings and defensive pass interference if that's your style. If you just want to beat up wide receivers at the line, I think you have to have more nuance once you become a professional. Josh, um, who's
0: your number two corner?
1: Well, my number two corner is Ahmad Gardner. Um, All right, let's hear I just I love his competitive nature. I think he's been a consistent performer since he was a freshman. I love his ability in man coverage. And I think when you're talking about the first round, a man cover corner is kind of what you're looking for. I mean, Andrew Booth, I liked what I saw early in the season. Um, he's primarily a zone corner, so you better feel comfortable about him making plays in space. I was not as impressed with – the recent games that I've watched and I have not finished, you know, grading him yet. So uh, perhaps that flips in the near future, but I was not impressed with the most recent games that I saw. Um, And as a whole, I don't love this cornerback class. I think once you get past Stingley again, I like Gardner a lot. I like Roger McCreary. Um, I like a Caleb Evans from Missouri. I mean, there's some guys that I like in the class, but it doesn't get me excited the way that I thought it would maybe three months ago
0: no that's fair And i'm looking at last year's class and there were some guys that are playing well early on jesse horn before he got hurt patrick Sertan, of course caleb farley I uh, i don't know how you saw in tennessee but greg newsome's done pretty good from what i've seen in cleveland i didn't love eric Stokes. eric Stokes is playing pretty well uh all things considered so there's some guys that, that have come in pretty early and, and and done done better than than perhaps um Historically, that has happened. I'll mention Marco Wilson too, who I love coming out of Florida. I think there were some immaturity things, or I'm not sure why he went in the fourth round, but uh, I thought he he had done some good things um, for the Cardinals. I think he got hurt the other day, but there's a reason he's playing.
1: Yeah, and how about uh, Traps? His guy Thomas Graham um, has Thomas Graham out for Chicago. Uh, but one runners. thing I will say, I was a little bit critical of J.C. Horn at the, in the draft process last year. I you know was a big fan of him early on. I was. Um, you know, on the bandwagon, the bandwagon ran me over at one point in the process, uh, by the time that we got to the end, my main concern was similar to what traps was just talking about was, are you too physical? Are you too handsy down the field to where you're going to get flagged for those type of mistakes and horn when he was healthy was awesome. I mean, he was, he was definitely in contention for the rookie rankings that I put out on a weekly basis. Um, was very impressed the issues that i had seen in college were not an issue early in the season so i do think it's possible uh for a corner to kind of rein that in as they move on to the next level
0: yep just like the quarterbacks they're not finished products now we have to sort of keep that in the back of our minds but it's hard to do when you're watching a million guys and you're sort of comparing them either consciously or subconsciously and it's hard to hard to sort of keep that separate but um hey that's why it's uh more art than science 21 through 32 let's take a look at some of these picks here and let's see some of the names to stick out to me so josh i'm gonna come back to you because you said you watched a logan hall recently i haven't gone to the cardinals at 24 i don't know if he goes that high and he may end up going in the second round um sort of like um levi owens rica who i liked a lot last year as a bottom of the first round guy i think he ended up going high high second round his teammate ended up going to the the buccaneers at the end of the first round there what do you think about logan hall uh, in terms of what he brings, I tell you where like the Steelers draft him because they have zero people on the defensive line who are healthy who can uh, stand up at the point of attack. They're just getting pushing five, six, seven yards down the field. Um, where are you at now on on Logan Hall?
1: Yeah, I like him. Um, I'm interested to see him at the Senior Bowl and how he stacks up against uh, some of the talent that's headed there. Um, it's actually going to be really interesting because there's a lot of um, you know small school offensive tackles, offensive linemen. That are going to have an opportunity to uh, you know to show out for themselves as well. But uh, in the case of Hall, he's that really long, in, you know, interior defensive player is probably where he's going to be slated to play. I don't think he's you know going to be pegged as that edge rusher that's going to contribute down in and down out. He's kind of like a Peyton Turner, uh, his teammate from last year, very long player. Um, I think Logan Hall does a good job of using his hands to get off blocks. Um, and for that reason, he's been a lot more productive in terms of his ability to pressure the quarterback. So um, I'm very interested in, in how um, the season played out for him because it's been a little while since, you know, I watched the end of the season for him. Um, but I think that's a player that is certainly going to be in consideration for the first round.
0: Uh, Traps, we'll come back to your guy, Malik Willis, who I have going 28th. How do you like the idea, and we talked about this before on, on the podcast, that the Lions aren't as far away as as they may appear. They've had some injuries, but I think their offensive line is in relatively good shape. Their defense are going to have to restock uh, because some guys are going to be leaving in free agency they can't sign everyone. How do you like uh, the idea of Malik Willis sitting for a year behind Jared Goff, who, by the way, and I don't know, someone made this joke on Twitter. I don't think it's even that big of a joke. I, I make fun of Breston about it all the time because he's a huge Matthew Stafford guy. But Matthew Stafford might just be... Jared Goff with a better PR team is the sort of the, the Twitter joke who's who I can't attribute it to, so I'm, I'm stealing their joke. Jared Goff has been better than I thought he would be in, in Detroit. So how do you like the idea of Malik Willis sitting behind him for a year and then regrouping in year two? Because I think we can all agree at least almost a year into this thing, their front office seems like they have a plan.
2: Yeah, I, I would really like that. It, it would be similar to – you know, everything I said about Willis landing in Atlanta with the Falcons and a few things about him. Number one, and I'll say it on this podcast before we get into the new year, Malik Willis is going to go higher than number 28 overall. I think he is too talented. The mobility, the design run game. Let me ask you, let brings, me ask you this. Yeah. What if he, I'm, I want to wager goes, something on this.
0: Yeah. You should do that. What if he goes second, the first Lions pick?
2: I would be fine with that.
0: Okay. Continue. I just wanted to get that in. I
2: I would be fine with, I mean, in theory, and I think to navigate the draft better, if like someone could tell Dan Campbell and their GM Brad Holmes, like Malik Willis will be there in, at 28 or wherever their, their second pick in the first round is, yeah, they would go in that direction. But like Josh says, I think we kind of see eye to eye on that, that quarterback, you know, it, if you have your guy and you have a chance to pick him at quarterback, I'm fine with it. And the situation is good. If he gets drafted to do a team, that wants to play him right away, that's a really bad scenario because Malik Willis is not ready to start and produce at a high level as a rookie. But if you sit him behind Matt Ryan, or in this case, Jared Goff, I think that makes a lot of sense. And me being a Bills guy, I'll say this. Malik Willis, the film that I watched, the bad game, four interceptions, or whatever it was against Ole Miss, but then him playing pretty well against the competition that was close to Liberty's competition – reminded me a lot of watching Josh Allen at Wyoming. And I was wrong on Josh Allen. I I thought you know he could never get better uh, in terms of not playing the hero ball and his pocket presence. But when Wyoming was playing other teams in the Mountain West that had close to the same amount of talent, Josh Allen from a clean pocket was throwing lasers all over the field. We knew what he could do running the football. I feel similarly about Malik Willis that – some team earlier than pick 28 will say this guy has a rocket arm. He is crazy athletic. He's not skinny, he's not small. He's about 6'2, 215-220 um and pick him a lot higher than this.
0: No, I can see that for all the reasons you laid out. And we just have to you don't know what it's going to look like unless you have a time machine how he's going to be. So he could be really good or he could be, you know, really bad. He's boomer
2: bust for sure. He's boomer bust but I'm if I'm a team like the Lions that's been searching for a quarterback for so long, I, I'm fine rolling the dice instead of saying, let's pick Kenny Pickett, who might never be an all-pro quarterback, but he might be decent. You already have that guy in Jared Goff. I would roll the dice and say, let's yep. draft Malik Willis, and hopefully he develops, he wants to to get better at reading coverages, making better decisions, but the arm talent is much better than Jared Goff's. The athleticism, of course, is is much better than Jared Goff's, and puts them at least in the, the category or the stratosphere of the teams that have those quarterbacks that improvisationally are really good, that have monster arms and can elevate lesser rosters and lesser defenses in the future.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. And I think that's one of the few positions where you look, well, we're going to roll the dice either because we're desperate or because we think we have something that was to something other teams haven't and see what happens. I think the, the bills rolled the dice. They, they weren't desperate. They just said, I think we think we can make Josh Allen work. And we've seen plenty of examples uh otherwise all right we'll 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 get out of here on this and um you can just give me 10-15 seconds if you want I'll start with you Josh over under three and a half on the quarterbacks going in the first round where are you going
1: oh I'm taking the under um
0: interest I mean what you think NFL teams will actually do
1: I well I know we've we've talked about the difference between grades and the actual talent I don't I don't know that any of us really have first-round grades on these guys. I, I could be wrong on that. Um, but that would require some stretches for that to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you're looking at a couple, certainly. Uh, and then once you get to three, it's, it's anybody's guess. I mean, it, and a lot of this depends on what happens in the offseason with all the potential trade candidates that could be out there, uh, the musical chairs that we expect to happen.
2: Um, but I'm taking the under. Traps. I'm taking the over. I think the one guy that we haven't talked about enough, but we will over the next couple months, is Desmond Ritter, and he has a huge opportunity in the college football playoff to show, you know, against top competition. He he actually played really well in that game against Notre Dame that the Bearcats won to kind of propel them to like to the college football playoff. But you have Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, they're going in the first round. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I think Malik Willis, just because of his talent, will go in round one and. Just to be different from Josh, and I agree with everything he's saying, I'm going to go with Desmond Ritter sneaking in, and he'll be that late 20s or early 30s quarterback for a team that wants to plan for the future.
0: I saw a little smile come across Josh's face, so we'll have to revisit that on on next Tuesday's pod (laughs) and see where he is because I know he watches a lot of Cincinnati. Uh, That's a wrap for this podcast, Thursday, December 30th. Hope everyone has a happy new year, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.